I want to tell you something about our generation that we live in. We live in a selfish generation. I wish I could get somebody to help me already. How many knows we are a selfish generation? Isn't it interesting that the number one thing this generation does is take selfies? Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Because for a long time, it's always been about us. But now, technology and the world has made it easier for us to be inward focused more than ever. We have more selfish people now. You don't ever hear this statement anymore. I used to hear this a lot when I was a kid. I'll tell you one thing about that guy right there. He's such a giver. He'd take the shirt off his back and give it to you if you, if, if you needed it. How, how many of them saying stuff like that? But what that meant was, man, you know, I'll tell you what, that, that guy right there will do anything for you. There was a day that if somebody broke down on the side of the road, number one, it's not necessarily safe to do it now. But the whole, I mean, it was nothing for people to stop and help. People thought about helping other people. Amen. Nowadays, because of so many things, we don't do that anymore. People are always now wondering, what's in it for me? What's that got to do for me? When Congress passes a law, the president signs a law, or if somebody proposes a law, the first question out of people's mind is, how is that going to affect me? It's never, how's it going to affect the big picture? How many of those, we want our government to give us all kinds of things. Oh, I'm going to preach right now. To, 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 to make our lives better now, but we don't think about how it's going to affect our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. Am I preaching right already? You say, well, we'll worry about that when we get to it. That is, a, a, that is the problem that we're going to be addressing in this series. See... We are supposed to be living our lives on purpose. Somebody say on purpose. Well, if we are living our lives on purpose, then that means that we understand that we are here for more than just to take up air and to take up space and to do some cool, fun things while we're here. We got bucket lists that we make where we say, we're going to make sure we do this before we're gone. On those bucket lists are things like, for some people you think it's, they ain't going to be on my bucket list, but some people's bucket list is jumping out of an airplane or, or going on a trip to a certain place or doing something crazy and wild is on your bucket list. But very seldom do you find on somebody's bucket list planting a church in Africa. Come on, somebody. Very seldom do you find on a bucket list making sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that my children and my grandchildren are taken care of financially and physically and emotionally and spiritually because our bucket list is about who us it's about what we can get done before we get out of here am i preaching right say amen but for the believer we're supposed to be about more than what we can do for us before we check out it's unfortunate as you've heard over the years and even today, as I just spoke in the tragedy that I just spoke about, but it's unfortunate, but we, it, it takes sometimes things for us to realize the brevity of life. It takes some things for us to appreciate life because in our, in our minds we think, well, we got 60, 70, 80 years. The reality is this, you may not have tomorrow. Is this microphone working? I said, you may not have tomorrow. You can't count on time to be there for you. 
to get things done for your life. I want to read to you Psalm, Psalm 112, verses 1 through 6. I want you to listen to these verses. Praise the Lord, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Somebody shout, praise the Lord. Now watch what he said. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Now listen to this. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Here it is. Look at this. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures, what? Forever. Up unto, unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. And here it is. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. How many, how many got somebody in your family who's done, went on to be with the Lord? That any time you get in a conversation about them, all you speak about them is, I'll tell you one thing, I was a mighty man of God. How many's got somebody in the family, a mighty woman of God, like that in your family, wave your hand at me. This is what it's talking about. Even after they're long gone, the people that are left behind, even those who never got to even know them, there is a, there is a, a, a legacy about them that their mamas and their grandmamas told about. Well, I wish you could have met your uncle so-and-so. I, miss, I wish you could have met your granddaddy. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I remember walking by his bedroom and hearing him praying late at night, praying over me and my brothers and sisters. Boy, I'll tell you what, if I've ever known a man of God in my life, it was your granddaddy. Boy, I wish you could have met him. Are you hearing me say amen? God desires for the righteous man or woman of God to be remembered. You're not living this life to be famous. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you're, all of a sudden God's going to say, good job if you get your name on a star on the walk of Hollywood. And all of a sudden people remember you when they step on you. And they see, oh yeah, I forgot about him. He was a movie star. That's not the kind of remembrance I'm talking about. We're not even really not talking about remembers. We're talking about legacy. Legacy is where we get the word legend. Are you hearing me? You, you become something that made such an impact in the world in which you lived that your testimony is continuing to be effective long after you are gone. Am I preaching right? Say amen. Number one thing on your notes is this. God, this is powerful here. Man, just God just spoke this to me. It's a power. You didn't get this. You didn't put this on your refrigerator. God wants us to live a life that outlives our life. I'm going to say that again. God wants us to live a life that outlives our life. You need to put that on your refrigerator and write it, on your, write it this way. I'm going to live a life that outlives my life. Are you hearing me? That's what they call tweetable. That's tweetable. Don't tweet it right now because you won't be paying attention. But that's tweetable later. Amen. Legacy. I know because you're a rebel. Legacy. Somebody shout legacy. 
What is legacy? A legacy is what you leave with the people that you're closest to after you're gone. Listen, what good is it for you to leave a legacy where people know you all over the world, but the people around you don't even want to mention your name? Your legacy starts with the ones that are closest to you, and then it expands to the world. Are y'all awake this morning? Did you have your coffee? Slap your neighbor and ask him, did you drink your coffee? Yes, I did. As a nation, as a nation, let's talk about this nation. What kind of world are we leaving this nation to? Come on. Let's talk about this nation real quick. Here's the world we live in. Truth is no longer truth. Are you hearing me? There's nothing absolute anymore. We have allowed the Word of God to be twisted into something that it was never supposed to be. How about this? Morals and modesty no longer exist. Huh? Our families. Are we teaching young boys and young girls what it means to be a man or a woman? Is there any wonder that there's confusion? Because we don't take the time to teach a young boy. Now, son, listen to me. When you get older, these are the kind of things you're going to have to face. But let me tell you, what, let me tell you how a man responds to that. To the daughters. Baby, let me show you. When you get older, these are the kind of things you're going to have to face as a young woman. Let me show you how a woman of God responds to that situation. Let me tell you something. That it's not by chance that we talk about the children being at moldable ages. It's like clay in the hands of a potter. They will believe what you tell them. But the problem is, is that it's not what we're telling them, per se. Sometimes it is. It's what we're not telling them. The legacy that we've created in our children, because watch this, how many of us, every single one of us used to be a child. No matter how old you are, you were a child at one time. Therefore, you understand that the children of every generation are the future leaders, presidents, governors, bankers, your bosses. Are you hearing me? So the decisions that they make later, many times, not all the time, but many times, are fashioned and molded in the legacy of what they were told and how they were taught when they were younger. Mm, I'm going I'm to get in trouble with some of the stuff I'm going to say on this, on this series. I can already tell I'm going to make some people mad. But you've got to understand something. Please do not misconstrue my words. And let me tell you something. If you get offended and leave this church over what I'm about to say, then you are never with us. And you are, I've never been your pastor. Because there's going to be some times your pastor's going to say some things that you don't like. But I'm going to say them out of love. I am thankful. Mm, help me say it right, Lord. I am thankful that when your kids get older, they will be able to say, I'll tell you one thing about my mom and daddy. They never missed a ball game. I am thankful that they're going to be able to say, 
Everything I wanted to do in school, they supported me, and they were there, and they traveled with me, and they gave me money. I'm thankful for that because let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of people when they get older, they will say the opposite. Well, I tell you one thing. I wish my dad would have come and saw one thing that I did. So I'm thankful for that. But you knew that was coming, didn't you? But if all they can say about you is that you took them to play ball or cheerleading camp or gymnastics, are you hearing me? But yet there is no legacy of a man or a woman of God and there is no legacy of being with the people of God and worshiping God on the same level as there is on the other things that you were involved in, then do not be shocked when they get married and no longer want to go to church or be active with, with God. Are you hearing me? I've seen it happen time and time and time again. Now there's a balance. There's a balance. Sometimes you can go to church too much and miss out on things. Come on, somebody. You need to find the balance. And even when you're there at the sporting events, use that to pour into their lives. Talk about Jesus. Pray before they go in to play the game. Don't separate your spiritual life with your children and with the things that they want to do. Because they, whether you realize it or not, they have an internal checklist of what they think is the most important to you. Am I preaching right? Say amen. I didn't, say, I didn't ask you if you liked it. I said, if I'm preaching right, say amen. amen. See, most of the time, when we say that we're hoping, we'll say things like this. Well, I hope, you'll, you'll hear, I've heard my family say this. Well, I hope when I'm gone. I hope when I'm gone, you fill in the blank. When I'm gone, I hope you remember. Are y'all hearing me? Most of the time, that we say that, not all the time, but it's usually out of an act of guilt. Because if you, you don't have to say to your kids, I hope that when I'm gone, you remember that I loved you. You shouldn't have to say that to your kids. How many of your kids are going to know that you love them? If you showed them you love them. You don't have to put a threat on them, and you don't have to threat to them based on your legacy. Can I get an amen? Boy, it's quiet in here because y'all, y'all are chewing this up. I know, I know. But listen, we have been called to live a life that is intentional. We don't get up every day and just take a chance on life. We get up. We spend time with God. We get up. We spend time with our kids. We get up. We go to work. We provide for our family. We set aside time for God. We set aside time for our family. We set aside time for our neighbors. We are supposed to be intentional. But how many of those most people are not intentional? Most people are in a rut and they are just surviving. They can't even tell you what they did the day when they get home and sit in their chair and you ask them about, your, about their day. They can't even hardly tell you anything about their day because it's a blur. I refuse to live the rest of my life as a blur. I want to be intentional. I want to make a difference every day I get up in somebody's life. I want my life to outlive my life. Are you hearing me? 
But if all you do is do what the world tells you to do, and you're just like a mind-numb robot, oh, I oh, it's off to work I go. Hi oh, hi oh. That was supposed to be funny. Some of you are too shell shocked to laugh right now. The only way you can live a life that outlives your life is you have to invest in others. You have to invest in the ones that are left behind because they're the only one that keeps your life alive. Oh, yeah, people die, Hollywood stars die, and then all of a sudden you happen to catch a movie and you say, oh, man, I forgot he died. Oh, yeah, a movie can remember that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people remembering that you're dead. I'm talking about remembering that you lived. Are you hearing me? That's another tweetable moment. Make sure I don't forget that for second service. That ain't even my notes. Praise God. Okay, let me see if I can even say it like I said. People are not worried about, we're not we're talking about people rem- remembering that you died. We want people to remember that you lived. Are you hearing me? It's good stuff, man. Good preaching, Larry. Thank you. But you got to invest in others. The next thing you notice is this, legacy doesn't happen when you are gone. It is built while you are still here. See, when we think about legacy, we're always thinking that it means when you're gone. Legacy is built here. You don't get to yell from heaven, hey, y'all don't forget what I said. You don't get, I hate, to, I hate to bust your bubble, but you don't get to come in the middle of the night in a ghostly form and stand over your bed and go, I just want to remind you to go to church on Sunday. You, if somebody from my past come try to remind me to even go to church on Sunday, I'd rebuke that devil. Because I know what the Bible says. The Bible says you're going up or you're going down. They ain't talking about no floating in the middle. Come on, somebody. Now, I got to go quickly. What I was going to call this series, and I changed it to Legacy. When God first started dealing with me on this months ago, I was going to call it 3G. And I even talked to some people about it, and I tried to develop a a, a nice poster for it. But the more I got into it, the more I realized it was bigger than that. But here's why I was going to call it 3G. Somebody say 3G. 3G stands for third generation. The minimum, the next thing on your notes is this. A third generation legacy is the minimum for a believer. Now listen to this. A third generation legacy is God's minimum for a believer. In other words, I'm going to show you in just a moment, and over the series, over the preaching of this series, I'm going to show you that God intends for everyone to live so intentional that their life outlives them, watch this, to a minimum of three generations. This is biblical throughout the Old and the New Testament. Just case in point, think about this. God is known in the Old Testament as the God of He's the God of everybody, but he is named the God of three generations. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Are you hearing me? So so when they called his name, 
They, they made sure that he recognized three generations. For we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But most people can't think about the third generation of what they leave behind because what they leave behind on all facets of their life doesn't even impact one, let alone three. See, most people die in debt, major debt, and they leave nothing but heartache to those who are left behind. I've seen it as a pastor time and time again. Many families are ruined at the death of a loved one. It's quiet in here. Why? Because the person made no thought of their family. And there was no preparations made. They got in so much debt. They thought, well, I'll just pay it off one day. And guess what? That one day didn't come. And then all the debt and all the problems, the cost of the burial, the cost of the cremation, the cost of the funeral is dumped. Oh, it's quiet in here because I'm preaching right. On the people that they left behind. Many times I've seen funerals time and time again, I can't even tell you the time, in my family and outside of my family, that the dysfunction of that family is revealed at the death of someone in that family. I'll tell you what, that's when the, that's when the craziness comes out in families. When somebody dies, am I preaching right? The thought of a, quote, inheritance or a blessing to pass down is completely foreign to most people. And, most, and, and to me and you, we're sitting there going, an inheritance? I, I'm just glad I got life insurance that might pay my house off. How am I going to have anything to leave my kids and my grandkids, the third generation? Well, you've got to be intentional. You can grow up and complain about it the rest of your life, or you can start planning right now while you're still living to leave a legacy that outlives you. You say, well, I'm 70 years old. I'm 60. I'm in my 60s. I'm in my 70s. Or maybe even older. Listen, it's not too late. Even if it's something that, that, that's just something that's precious to you, set it aside and determine you're going to pass it down. But more than anything, if you ain't got something material to pass down, pass down your integrity and your character and your walk with God and your passion and the power of the Holy Ghost is on you. Lay your hands on your kids and your grandkids kids and bless them and transfer the mantle on their lives see some people never reach the ideal of God because we never really many times reach the minimum of God are you hearing me how many of those there's God's perfect will and we call it permissive will the perfect will of God is that you outlive your life for generation after generation. How many knows, this, this, this is an extreme example, but this, this is a great example. How many knows if the world exists for another hundred years, which I seriously doubt it, but if the world exists for another hundred years and we're all gone, a hundred years from now, the church will still be talking about a man named Billy Graham. Right? One man, human, same blood, same organs that you have. Just a human. But determined at an early age to leave a legacy. Not a legacy of fortune and fame, but a legacy of integrity and character and passion for the harvest of the gospel. 
the perfect example that he went beyond three generations. His impact will impact beyond the minimum. How many of us, we should at least shoot for the minimum? We're one. Our children are two. And our grandchildren are three. So God says he wants you to minimum impact the generation in which you live. Your children's generation and your children's children's generation. Let me, let me just show you a couple of scriptures real quick as we're winding down. Proverbs 13, 22, I'm going to fire them off really quick. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Genesis 45, 10. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me, you and your children, your children's children. Your flocks and your herds and all that you have. In other words, God said, I'm looking at you, your children, and your children's children. Psalm 103, 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Proverbs 17, 6. Children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of their children is their father. Oh, well, I think we need to read that one again. Because watch this. It says, so in other words, grandchildren, that's why you, how many got grandkids? How many got grandkids? Raise your hand. Now, how many of you love your kids, right? It's just something about them grandkids, right? I don't know yet. I got some grand dogs. And, and I got a grandbaby cat that can't be touched. But watch this. You hear it time and time again. You said it, Grandpa, Grandma, you know it. You know it. That's just a joy that comes with those grandkids. I've seen it happen. I've seen men and women, uh, when they got grandkids, their countenance, who they are, they just changed. Those grandkids pulled something out of them. Are you hearing me? So he says, your, your grandkids are the crown of old men. What does that mean? That means I'm coming to the end of my life. This is my crown and my reward. I have raised my kids. I've went through all the things with the kids. Now I get to play with these cute little kids. And this is why it's a crown. When they start acting up, I send them home. Amen. I don't have to deal with it tonight. Are y'all hearing me? But watch this. The glory of the children is their father. In other words, what that means is something happens in that relationship. Because we're talking about children's children. So while, while uh, Solomon is writing in this moment, he's writing about adult children. Not children, because remember we're already talking about grandkids. So we're talking about when grandkids come alone, the kids look to their father in a way that they didn't look to their father when they were a child. Especially if there's a relationship there. Can I get an amen? Big picture. Legacy is big picture. I talk about big picture all the time. Everybody say big picture. The next thing we notice is this, a big picture life looks beyond the present. A big picture life looks beyond the present. In other words, if you are living in the now and not focused on the future, 
you'll never leave a legacy that outlives your life. We say things to our leaders here all the time. We say we operate now the way we will win. Thank you for one leader knowing what I was about to say. All right, leaders, I'm going to give you another chance. And I'm going to give the rest of the church a chance. We operate now the way we will win. So it don't make sense a lot of things that we do because we have so much space. We have so much thing. Why in the world would we go to two services? When we got a building as big, we didn't even completely fill the building on Easter Sunday for one service. Why would we go to two services? We don't go to two services because we need to. We go to two services because we're thinking five years from now. Are you hearing me? That's what vision does. Your life, the big picture changed my life. The big picture perspective changed my life because especially as a parent, if anybody needs to live a big picture life, it's a parent. Because if you live in the moment of a teenager raising a teenager, you will think, my God, I'm a complete failure. I might as well hang my hat up and go and be with you right now, Jesus. Am I preaching right? But you got to look big picture. you got to understand that I'm always going to be a teenager. And as they begin to do this thing that now the, the young people like to call adulting, they don't like to adult. But heaven knows whether you like to adult or not, you become an adult, you're going to do some adulting. And all of a sudden, they begin to change. And you begin to realize, my God, it's not like I thought it was going to be. Legacy mind says 20 years from now. 10 years from now, God, let me be alive 10 years from now because I want to see it. Amen. When he spoke to Abraham and he began the blessing, the Abrahamic covenant, watch how big picture God is. God did not say, I'm going to bless you and you alone. Abraham, you carry the blessing. Even though it's called the Abrahamic covenant and the Abrahamic blessing, that he did not even say the blessing came on him. He said the blessing is going to come on your seed. Can I get an amen? Notice he didn't even say your son. When he said your seed, he was saying this blessing is for your entire lineage. Are you hearing me? How many of those Abraham lived a legacy that outlived his life? And all of his mistakes that he made, he's known as the father of faith. Hmm. When, when, think about how big picture Jesus is. The very first blessing and curse that was ever proclaimed was in the garden. Huh, preaching on the garden, imagine that. He looks at, think about when he come time for the curse and he spoke to the devil, what did he say? He didn't say there's a man coming. That you're going to bruise his heel and he's going to crush your head. He didn't say there's a, the Messiah. He didn't name Jesus. He said there's a seed coming of a woman. Thousands, hundreds, generation after generation from now. And you won't even know that it's coming. But I want you to know from this man Adam all the way through, the seed is blessed. But then there's a seed coming from the woman that you have no idea that when he comes, he's going to set up a legacy that's going to permanently crush your head. I wish somebody praised him right now. Come on. It's a good time for you to just praise the Lord right now. Mm. Listen to Philippians 2, 3 through 11. Uh, excuse me, 3 and 4. Philippians 3 and 2, uh, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you 
look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. See, the next thing you notice is this. When you're living a legacy life, you will always put others before yourself. It may be your kids. It may be your grandkids. It may be your neighbor. It may be your ministry. It may be, listen, I know that sometimes you've got to take time for yourself. I know that sometimes you've got to relax and rest. And sometimes you've got to get away and just detox from the life of this world. I'm not talking about that you don't need that and that that's not right for you to do that. But if it's all about you and it's all about your detox time and every day of your life is just about watching that clock so that it ticks to a certain moment so you can get in your car and know precisely without traffic how long it's going to take you to get home so that you can get home and shut the blinds and lock the doors and turn the music up loud and ignore the world, then you're not big picture. Like everything else as a believer, we have an example to follow. Who is it? Are y'all, my God, and next, next Sunday, I may even allow coffee in the sanctuary. We don't allow coffee in the sanctuary. But next Sunday, if it's like this, I'm going to just shoot some coffee into some of y'all. Who is our example? Jesus. Let me tell you something about Jesus. His entire ministry was based on legacy. He was always thinking beyond the moment. Oh, he took care of people in the moment. But he knew everything I do and everything that I say is going to be recorded in these instances. And they will be used for generations. For the example of who I am. But more than that, I want you to think about how the Bible records how much time Jesus spent Assuring his followers, specifically his disciples, but even his followers, understood the principles of the kingdom. Think about it. Think about it. You, there's several subjects that Jesus taught on that he would teach on them again to the same crowd. And he would even say things like this, again, I say unto you. You ever heard that in scripture? Again, I say unto you. Now, does that sound familiar, mamas and daddies? How many times have I got to tell you? Huh? He was being a spiritual father. He would say, listen, listen, listen. Love this stuff. I want you to remember everything I did. But these things, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Most assuredly, I say unto you. You gotta get this. I'm on a timeline here. I'm not gonna be walking with you guys. You don't know it, but I'm giving you just a little over three years of seeing me in the natural. When I'm gone, I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm gonna send the power of the Holy Spirit, but I need you to get this. I need you to talk about this after I'm gone. Am I preaching right? He knew his greatest impact on the world would come after he was gone. Now, I know it almost sounds sacrilegious. We know none of it's possible without what he did while he was here, right? Lived a sinless life, died on the cross on the third day, came back from the dead. All of us having access to the kingdom is hinging on that. Can I get an amen? Without the resurrection, all of it's moot. It's just a good man teaching some good, cool stuff. But we can walk in that because of the resurrection. But Jesus knew that the death and the resurrection was simply a setup for his legacy of the world. 
his greatest impact would happen after he left earth and sat down on the throne of God. His people, the church, took his message to the world. Jesus, I know, is ultimately in charge of everything. I know he has inspired every word of all 66 books of the Bible. I know that he is, his anointing inspires me to preach what I'm preaching. But here is the reality. This is not sacrilegious. The Bible says, how will they know unless a preacher tell them? How will they believe in what they have not heard? Do you know why you've heard about legacy today? You've heard a preacher tell you. You know why this preacher's telling you? Because the Bible says, how can a preacher tell in the book of Romans? Unless he be sent. Because I was sent by Jesus. But here's the reality. What I've talked about today is not something new. What I've preached today and quoted from today is not a new book. Come on, somebody. It is not the latest New York Times bestseller. It is the best-selling book in the world year after year. It is the Word of God that Jesus, when he became flesh and dwelt among us, empowered men and women of God to write the things that happen here on this earth so that when they, all the writers, went to heaven and were gone, and of course when Jesus went to heaven and he was gone, we would continue to talk about the legacy of David and Solomon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel and the lion's den. Are y'all hearing me? Adam and Eve, come on somebody. We are preaching the legacy of these men and women that outlived their life. They didn't know that we were going to talk about them when they were doing it. They didn't know it. They weren't walking around. I got, this is going to be a cool story for the world to tell one day. Watch this. He was doing it because he was living in the moment. Because his integrity and his character in the moment would not allow a man to mock the people of God. But God said, I see you. You don't know what I know. But this story is going to be known to the world. Last thing on your notes, next to the last thing on your notes, and I'll go quickly on the last two, is Jesus was the ultimate example of living for legacy. Jesus was the ultimate example of living for legacy. And watch this. I want to show you what he said. See, y'all have heard me talk about this before. It's a big deal to me in my life. It may sound silly to you, but my daughter Rachel, who's going to Peru, praise God, I'm excited. Watch this. This is what she, when she was little, she used to ride home with me. And I've, you've heard me say this. Act like you never heard it. But she'd always say, Dad, what's your second favorite song? What's your second favorite color? What's your second favorite TV show? She would never ask me what my favorite color was, my favorite radio, my favorite song. She never asked me my favorite ever. She always wanted to know what my second favorite was. And I asked her one day, why? And this has nothing to do with preaching today, but I asked her why. And she just simply said something that just shook me. It's from a child now. Didn't even, she wouldn't even think about what she was saying. She didn't even know what she meant, really. She said, I just, everybody knows what your favorite is. I want to know something that nobody else knows about you. I was like, my God, that will preach. And I preached it many times in many churches. I wrote about it in the book that's about to come out. But it caused me to ask, it caused me to start asking the second of things. She did. She called. I told her that one day. I said, do you realize you changed the way I study? As a child, your simple statements to me and your questions changed the way I researched things. Because, because now I find myself saying, everybody knows that David killed Goliath with a, with a stone. But I want to see something in this story that nobody knows. So I dig a little deeper and try to come at a different angle. So, so it caused me one time to ask this question simply one day. 
What's the greatest thing that Jesus ever did? The number one greatest thing. Everybody knows that, right? Without a doubt. It wasn't open blinded eyes. It wasn't raising Lazarus from the dead. It was dying on the cross for our sins, shedding his blood for our sins, saying it is finished and three days later coming back from the dead. Hands down. If you don't believe that, your theology's way whack. Okay? But have you ever stopped and just simply said, what is the second greatest thing you ever well, I can tell you emphatically, I know what it is. It is not a single miracle that he did. Because every single miracle he performed had already been performed in the Old Testament. Every one of them. Now, I know it don't take away from Jesus being God, but he was illustrating, I'm doing this as a man who happens to be God. The second greatest thing he did was revolutionary. No one did this before Jesus. In the midst of the most religious atmosphere where only the spiritual elite knew Scripture. The second greatest thing Jesus ever did was at night when everybody else was shutting down, Jesus would call his disciples and say, come here, guys. And they'd sit around a campfire. And some of the stories we have, but many we don't have. And Jesus, second greatest thing Jesus ever did was pour his vision for the kingdom into these 12 men because even though one of them failed we know that he was replaced but later on after the resurrection and some of them were arrested and stood before the king listen how they were addressed are these not of the 12 listen what what it says in the book of acts are these two not of the 12 that has turned the world upside down Notice it didn't say Jesus who turned the world upside down. We know he did, but it was his legacy that he left in those people that turned the world upside down. You say, well, that was the disciples. That was the disciples. Of course, he, of course that was his legacy. Oh, oh, oh. John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus is praying. One of the few prayers that we have written record of his prayer how many of those, if you've got a re- written record of Jesus' prayer to his father, you need to read it. Because how many of those, he knows how to pray? He says this, I do not pray for these alone. In other words, the ones that are around me. But I pray this also, watch this, for those who will believe in me through their word. I pray this prayer, not just for those that I'm walking with, but I am praying this prayer for every man, woman, young person who will ever use their words in their mouth to accept me as Savior. That they will be one as you, Father, and I are one, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me. I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me.